Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. Man, I'm going to tell y'all, it is a beautiful day out today. It, I sit, I'm sitting in my office and um, I, got, I got the sliding door open going outside. I'm looking at turkey sue in the bushes and the puppies out there. And we got these big ass, we got three hawks. I name all of them Benji. As my daughter thinks, I know them personally. And uh, the hawks, actually, the hawks took one of our neighbor's chihuahuas one time. Uh, the neighbor was in the backyard and a hawk swooped down and grabbed his fat ass chihuahua. And I think he got like 30, 40 feet in the air. And then it was like, man, this fucking lunch is too heavy. So it drops a chihuahua and the chihuahua fell to his death. Um, it was pretty morbid shit right off the rip, but so you can imagine me, I'm in, I'm in protect the puppy mode and I got the puppy out there. Honestly, she was barking a little bit too much this morning. So I'm like, you know what? Go, go hang out in the yard. And if, if the hawk gets you, you know, at least, at least I can hear this barking. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I got my shotgun sitting here with me just so in case that hawk tries to get my dog, you're going to bust his ass. Hey, doors open. The birds are chirping. So if y'all hear it, <clears throat> like I said, I'm not, I don't give a shit. I'm not trying to be in the damn Joe Rogan studio today with the perfect sound. Fuck it. You're going to get, if the neighbor gets mad and starts yelling over the fence, well, he might get his ass busted. But you know what I'm saying. Hey, look, I got a pretty cool topic I want to talk about today. And um, I don't know. <laughs> I got a message from a, a young lady who's in EMS. And she goes, man, I really wish you would do uh, um, an episode on having to fight patients and i'm like man i'm trying to fight my fight fight my own patients all the time and then she's like no dumbass and i was like no nah, i know what you're getting at we're gonna talk about i'm gonna get into this is gonna be kind of like a hands-on episode and i'm gonna tell some stories and we're gonna talk talk some, about some funny things with uh having to go hands-on with people before i get started let me go ahead and tell you man i'm actually going to be performing in mooresville north carolina which is outside of Charlotte. Actually, let me back up and punt that. I'm kidding. Going to be in Concord, North Carolina. And I'm playing at a place I've never performed at. It's what we call a one-nighter. I try not to do many of those anymore just because, you know, the travel takes it out of you and everything. And when we do one-nighters in comedy, normally we string it together with other shows. So let's say if I have shows on a Friday or Saturday, and then I find out there's a Thursday at a restaurant somewhere on my way there, I can knock that Thursday out. Now I'm performing Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's how it works in the comedy world. Um, but I chose to do this one-nighter because, one, it's pretty close to my farm. Uh, well, not cl- pretty close, but it's it's within driving distance. 
And two, I don't really have a whole lot going on in May, and I just like, you know what? i got to keep this rust off of me. So I'm going to be at the Buzzed Viking Brewing Company in Concord, North Carolina, May the 26th. You can, uh, you can get tickets through the Buzzed Viking Brewing Company's Facebook page. Harass them, send them an email, call them, whatever. Uh, we're going to sell that place out because I, I do have a good following in the Charlotte, Mecklenburg area and um, the northern part of South Carolina. So I don't know if y'all heard that motorcycle revving up. I'm not closing this door. This is going to be a trashy-ass episode. Get ready. So, yeah, Concord, North Carolina, baby. If you're going to be in the area May 26th, come on out and see me. Let's have some fun. Um, that that uh, Viking... Buzz Viking Brewing Company is supposed to be a really, really good restaurant. They got axe throwing and all kinds of shit going on up there. So it's not a, it's not a standalone comedy club like I was, you know, like I perform in most most of the time. This is actually a restaurant, and what they do is they they convert it into comedy for a night. It's pretty pretty fucking cool. I've done a lot of those over the years. These restaurants they'll do, they'll just host a night of comedy. They'll shut. They'll still have a restaurant, but they'll they'll make it really intimate and turn it into a comedy venue. It is it's, it's super cool, especially when people show up. And I've I've been there where motherfucking people don't show up, and it's like you and, and somebody at a table with a chicken sandwich, and then it's awkward. Um, done that a handful of thousand times in my in my career. So let's talk about this these aggressive people in the street that call us for help. Or people that we run into when we're working the streets. And civilians, if you're listening, I know we're getting emergency service oriented. But still, there's still some juicy and cool shit in here. So, um, I have seen so many crazy things happen It went, on my time in the streets. Law enforcement and um, when I was uh, on the job as a firefighter. I mean, y- there's just so many crazy things. People don't realize it goes on. But this girl messaged me. I mean, I just ate a sandwich. I'm like about to choke on this damn thing. Hang on a second. <clears throat> All right. The young lady messaged me and said, yesterday I had to transport a patient for an hour and a half in the back of this ambulance. And the patient was combative, although strapped in, but still threatening me. And all this. And first of all, I wanted to be like, God damn, where are you working? Where you have an hour and a half transport? Are you in motherfucking mountains of Alaska? Shit. That's a long transport. I don't ever remember a transport being that long, but again, I worked in the city for most of my career. So it wasn't, it was just a hop, skip, and a jump around the corner and up the block. Get your ass to the emergency room and get the fuck out. Um, but yeah, these things can happen. So when, you, when you're on scene and you have, and let me tell you, man, the paramedics and the EMS, man, they get beat up on pretty badly. I, I hate it for them because fire department, we just hand everybody over. Like we, we pretend like we know what we're doing for a little while until the real heroes get there. Like the, the paramedics and the EMTs, <laughs> if you're running, a, um, at least when I was on the job, I mean, now it's, you, you have paramedics on your, uh, actual engines in some place called an ALS advanced life support engine. We didn't have that. We were all first responders and we would bring a bunch of bags and some, some, some damn O2 cylinders up there and some bandages and shit. And, person will be coughing and they're like why are you bandaging my leg and just like just calm down you y'all hear the boys rolling in the back i'm telling you they knew they knew this episode was for them off they go to a beast thing anaphylactic shock motherfucker um i don't know what to do but i'm gonna stand here and look at this patient gasping for breath until the paramedics and the emts get here case in point i remember going to um a call one time where it was a vehicle 
versus a, a moped on Columbus, Columbus Street, downtown Charleston. And when, when we arrived, my crew, we got off, we got off in this, um, this young man, unfortunately he was on the ground. He was on his back and he was, he had what we call agonal breathing and, um, all of his teeth were down of his, down his throat and he was, he was fucked up, man, had a lot of trauma going on. And I remember my crew, like I say, we were primarily back then fighting fires going to gunshots and stabbings and shit and like serious calls, entrapments and cars. We didn't really do a whole lot of uh, hands-on trauma work, but the department I came for from before that, we did a lot of, a lot of medical calls. So I had a little bit of medical experience and I'll never forget. I'm looking at my buddy Lewis who was killed in uh, June 18th, 2007 in the sofa superstore fire. And we're on our knees working this guy. And I say, Hey, hand me those OPAs. And uh, Lewis goes, what the fuck is that? And this is in a medical bag. Now, OPA, for those listening, that's an oral pharyngeal airway. And what it does is you put it in upside down and you turn it. And it keeps you, it keeps the patient, it keeps their airway open. And I believe it, it, it acts as, and there's different sizes for it. And you have to, like, measure it on the side of their jaw and shit like that. But it keeps them from, from their tongue rolling back and all this stuff. So, man, when I threw that thing in, Lewis sat up and looked at me like I was a fucking battlefield surgeon, like, Afterwards, I'll never forget. He was like, dude, how did you know how to do that? And it's so, it was just so crazy. I was like, I don't know, man. I've done it a few times on some other scenes and shit. And uh, uh, honestly, I actually went to um, EMT school. So Lewis wasn't uh, EMT or anything like that. And because uh, he was just a basic first responder back then, that's all the department required. So essentially, if you knew how to do CPR, we'll get you a CPR and here's a bandage put a bandage on. Can you put a bandage on? All right, get on the fire truck. Now you're ready to go to fucking emergency medical calls. Now the fire service has evolved a lot since then. And most places are not like that anymore. Most places you have EMTs and paramedics very close by. So you're in good hands. But back then you were fucked. Um, the guy ended up dying, but I'll never forget Lewis looking up to me that day. And it, just the way he looked at me, man, I felt like a rock star. Like I had taught him something because this was a ball busting machine. And remember, Back then, Charleston was burning. Charleston was on fire all the time, and we would go to fires, and Lewis would bust my balls about this, bust my balls about that. Why'd you go on air, you fucking pussy? And then I'm just like, man, goddamn, dude, I'm not used to sucking up all this black smoke like y'all. And then you eventually get accustomed to it. So going hands-on with patients. It's, it, it, sometimes it's, it's hard, man. Like If you're not like a person that likes to be touching people, this is, this is not the business for you because you are very damn going to have your hands all over people. And, um, sometimes it's funny stuff. Sometimes it's, it's, it's just downright nasty. Your hands are in, in, in guts and just everything you can think of. Um, I have a combative story of my own that it's one that pops out. I got, there, I have tons of these things, but one that really pops out and all of these can be, can be fact checked. I don't give a shit. You think I'm bullshitting. I, my Sergeant at the time he retired as a Lieutenant. My Sergeant was on this call with us. He can vouch. So we get a call, me and my partner. We catch a call for a, a naked man in a parking lot screaming obscenities. And we're down the road, and we're like, oh, man, this is going to be fucking good, right? So it's a couple cops. We start heading that way. And when we get there, there's this young guy. He's in the early 20s or so. And he's literally standing there butt naked, his hammer swinging in the wind, and he's yelling. And when we get out of the car, he's like, fuck you, motherfuckers. He was threatening us, threatening bodily injury on us and all this. And back then, as police, we weren't as quick to pull weapons on you back then because 
I'm not, I'm just, look, it's no secret I support cops, but I'm saying there's a different way of policing back then versus now. And I think the difference was the generational gap, right? We grew up, we didn't grow up trophy kids. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets a prize. And let's keep our hands to ourselves, Timmy. We grew up back then where you fuck with me, you're going to get punched in the face, right? And I think a lot of the cops that are now the younger generation of police officers in their 20s, they didn't really grow up doing a whole lot of that hands-on stuff. Like we knew how to take an ass whipping is what I'm saying. I knew how to get punched in the face and hey, you got the better of me today. We'll see what you got tomorrow. And that was it. It normally stopped there. But a lot of times cops today and their hands are actually tied. So I can't speak intelligently on today's policing, but I do know this. I I do think they're a lot quicker to pull weapons on somebody today because they're not as quick to go hands-on like we used to back in the day. Um, So we go up and we try to grab this guy and subdue him to put him in uh, handcuffs and the fucking fight was on. This son of a bitch was swinging. He popped me in the face. He popped my partner in the face. My nose was leaking like a faucet. My friend's face was busted. I think he had a cut lip. And so we were like, all right, motherfucker, it's on now. So we still didn't pull weapons. I didn't, I didn't pull my aspartan, my pepper spray, taser, none of that shit. We went toe to toe with this motherfucker. And I said, back up. And I told my partner to back up and the guy squared up on me. Um, instead of tackling him, I punched him right in the face. And I'll be honest, I punched that motherfucker so hard that his neck snapped back and he hit a car. He was standing against a car and the back of his head hit the roof of a car. And when he came back, he was laughing at me. Now, I felt like a bitch because when he was laughing at me, my buddy starts laughing. He goes, oh, no, man, you ain't got shit on him. And the dude just came at me again, swinging away. So me and my buddy, then we had to wrestle him down to the ground. It took two of us to get him on the ground. Then we came across the radio. We're 10-10. See, back then, 10-10 on the radio meant we're in a fight. And we might need some fucking help. The guy was high as shit. And it turned out later he was on PCP. But um, we get him on the ground. We can't get this guy's arms behind him. We cannot get him handcuffed. We pull out aspatons and we do this like chicken wing thing where we try to stick our aspaton. We weren't hitting him, but we put it through his like elbow, through where, where his forearm it would meet his bicep. And we tried to chicken wing it around and he, and, and he just would not, he wouldn't do it. So my sergeant ends up pulling on the scene. Two other cops come up onto the scene and we had already called for uh, an ambulance at this time. It took five police officers a paramedic and an EMT to get this guy's hands behind his back so we could get him fucking handcuffed. And you know what he did once he got handcuffed? No lie. This is the funniest part of the shit. Put your hands together if you're listening to this so I can, I'm trying to illustrate this. Put the, put the tips of your fingers together and look at the tips of your fingers, all right? My middle fingers are touching each other and as I'm looking. Now, fold your fingers inward towards you so all of your fingers are touching and you should have, if you if you're norm, have if you weren't in like explosive ordnance, you should have ten fucking fingers. But you should have eight fingers touching and looking at you. Now you take your middle finger and your ring finger on both hands, okay? And do away with your pointer and your pinkies. And you see, you got four fingers touching. Let me tell you what this nasty motherfucker did. He took those four fingers, both of his middle fingers, and both of his um, ring fingers and he jammed them into his own asshole. I'm not making this up. And when he did, he ripped his ass open. Like he just screamed and just tore. Like you could hear asshole tissue tearing. And it was 
fucking atrocious. And I remember my sergeant slapping his hands like a little bitch. And he goes, stop it. That's nasty. Stop it. That's nasty. And we are laughing our asses off. I mean, dude, the shit that goes on while people are sleeping comfortably in their beds or watching Jeopardy. This is the shit the police are out there dealing with, right? We end up transporting a guy. I transport him, actually. I had to, the, to transport this motherfucker to uh, downtown and uh, to the hospital. And when we get there, the doctor actually had concerns that we sodomized him with our aspatons. Serious, no bullshit. And we're like, no, 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 absolutely not. Because his asshole was torn open and bleeding. And I'm like, no, ow, hell no, we didn't do that. This this motherfucker stuck his hands up his ass and was like fisting himself trying to essentially with, I got dookie on my handcuffs. Like it was, it was bad. I'm telling y'all. So I'm telling y'all I got some fucked up stories. Um, and I'm just one guy. Think about all the millions of police officers out there. They got stories that'll trump that. I got some more if y'all want to hear it. We're just going to talk today about going hands on with people. Um, Sometimes dead people handling dead people, um, it's 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 very weird because I went to a homicide as a uh, when I was a fireman. I went to a homicide call, and we actually had to uh, had to move this patient once the police were done with their thing. We had to move him off of the damn um, the steps. So what happened was the guy got either hit in the head. I can't remember. He either got hit in the head at the top of the stairs, or the person shoved him down the stairs and he broke his neck on the way down. Um. Oh, I know what it was. Never mind. So we had to transport him before the cops got there, but it turned out to be a homicide later. Okay. So what happened was when the guy was laying at the bottom of the steps, he was still still living, and that's why we transported him. Because if he was dead, we would have left him fuck alone. But I remember he had his big gaping cut on his uh, on his forehead. All right, and I cut my arm at work earlier that day, so I put my gloves on and we go to move him. And what do you know? His fucking head. Where uh, where it was bleeding, hit my arm where I had a cut that day, and immediately it smeared blood. I was freaking the fuck out. I ran over to the EMS wagon. I'm fucking spraying it down with bleach and Lysol, anything I can get my hands on, goddamn spray paint, you fucking name it. I was putting it on there. I was pissing on it, anything I could do. And I ended up having to go to the hospital for multiple rounds of checks and everything. It turned out fine. He actually, they, they did checks on him after he died. Uh, they checked all of his blood, and he was actually normal, thank God. So, um I was fine, but man, it can get kind of scary out there. I mean, that just think about something that quick. If he did, if I mean, I think it takes more than that, just a quick contact like that to give you something. But still, is it a scared the shit out of you? I got notes all over the place. I got a note here with call with shit in the apartment. I remember this call. Um, we we had to go to a, a, a call. I don't remember what it was for, but it was a medical call. It was on engine sixteen. I was driving that day and I remember we were walking in this apartment. The door was open. We walk into this apartment and uh, we couldn't find the light switches and it stunk like shit. Imagine that. And we were like, ah, damn boy, somebody just, just do a fresh dookie and not flush. And we had our lights on, but we weren't really, we were looking at the floor. We weren't really looking at the walls. We'll come to find out somebody had shit and they wiped it all over the fucking walls. And so we found the light switch when we hit the light switch, the place was covered in dookie. Um, and now you got to pick a patient up who is also covered in dookie. So good times out there on the streets, man. Um, we had another call where this was right off of Nassau Street. I don't. It was one of them side streets off of Nassau. But I remember as you know, I was in the engine company, engine six at the time. 
and we had to call engine eight and truck four around to help us because this lady needed to be transported to the hospital. She was literally four or 500, like pushing the, the weight limit. And I shit you not, the lady had no legs. And I don't know if you've ever tried to pick someone up that heavy that has legs. It's hard. But when they don't have legs, it's literally like picking up a pile of chewed bubble gum. There's nowhere to grab. Everything's just falling out of your hands and spilling out of your hands. So those of you listening that don't know what to do in this situation, if you ever find yourself in this situation, what you do, you get a couple of bed sheets. You'd be surprised. Them Egyptian cotton, that's some strong shit. You roll them onto the Egyptian cotton and everybody gets a hand, handful of cotton and you pick them up. And it took two engine companies and, and a truck company to get this lady onto the ambulance. Um, Backbreaking work sometimes. I remember we had to pull a, a guy that was having a kidney stone attack one time and we didn't have a stair chair. We had to carry this big bastard down three flights of stairs and he was screaming and crying. And I, I'll never forget back then thinking, man, why this guy is acting like a little bitch. And then I had kidney stones and I thought about that guy. I actually went to the emergency room. I was in the emergency room on the floor acting like a little bitch. And the doctor came out and goes, have you ever had kidney stones? And I said, no, sir. And he goes, well, that's what you got. And I go, you know that just by looking at me? He goes, every man that comes in here with kidney stones looks just like you. Yeah, I know exactly what it is. So I went, um, this whole thing is about hands-on, okay? So these are just some quick scenarios that I experienced. And these aren't all of them by any means. These are just a few that I can think of right off the top of my head that I wrote some notes down about. I got a, uh, I got a note one time that I arrested a guy for domestic violence. And we went into the house and uh, we thought, we thought he was going to be a barricaded suspect. He, he locked himself into the bathroom for a few minutes downstairs and we pied off the bathroom door. And I was like, man, if he's in there with a gun, this is going to be nasty because we were kind of in a fatal funnel where the door was. And, um, was, I would just remember thinking, I hope this motherfucker don't start shooting out of this door, but he didn't. He actually came out. We locked him up. It was cold that winter and it was, there was a freeze on the ground. And as we got outside at the top of the steps, this was embarrassing as shit. I'm holding the guy, the suspect, by his handcuffs. And I looked at him and I said, look, sir, I said, your steps are iced over. And be careful when you're walking down here. I don't want you to slip and bust your ass. And I said, how are you going to explain that to your family looking all stupid? And I'm just being funny. The first time, the first step we make, I step on the goddamn ice and my foot come up from underneath me. And I slip, but I let go of the suspect. And I went all the way to the bottom of the steps. Boom, 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 boom. And you know what he says to me? How you going to explain looking so stupid, officer? <laughs> so we got a good laugh out of that and took his ass to jail. Um, all right. I Look, I feel like I got a lot of dildo stories. And I don't... I'm not trying to give y'all dildo stories. But this is a pretty good one. This isn't really so much hands-on. This is just one call that popped into my mind. So I had a... I had a sergeant who had a niece and she had, she had a lot of trouble at home with her boyfriend. And, uh, we, we used to go around there, man, fucking seemed like once every couple of days cause they were always fighting. He was a biker and, uh, he pretty rowdy guy. He had a big old ponytail. I never forget. He was a short guy and stocky, right? But he always acted like a hard ass. And, uh, I guess one day she had enough and, and he, he beat the shit out of her cause when we pulled up, Normally we could just show up and be like, look, y'all need to knock this bullshit off. But there were physical signs of abuse going on. Um, she was scared for her safety at this point. So we had a duty to, to act and we had to, we had to arrest him per the, per the law. 
And I'll never forget, man, we, we lock this guy up. I get him over to the car and she comes running out of the house with a strap on dildo. And she goes, you tell him about this, you big, tough motherfucker. And they were both drunk, right? He's like, bitch, I don't know what the fuck you talking about. That's not even mine. And she's like, bullshit. You like it when I pull your hair and I put this, you, you get where I'm going. Dude, we had a, a level of professionalism about us that immediately was erased when that shit happened. Because this dude was pretending to be this big, tough guy, this badass biker dude, and she just ousted him. And I remember, I will never forget the whole way to the jail, he was trying to convince me that that strap-on dildo was not for him. And I, w- I was like, yeah, man. I was like, I don't know why you're trying so hard to convince me, man. It sounds to me like you you got something to hide. And But that's cool. I said, but, you know, aside from that, what about this hair pulling thing? He's like, oh, man, shut the fuck up. Like, he was so embarrassed. Woo. Them gals, boy, when they get mad at you, they'll, uh, they can put your business in the street. That's like that Kevin Hart joke. You ever hear Kevin Hart? And he's talking about when your girl gets mad at you in public and, and then, uh, she'll oust you and put all your dirty laundry in the, in the street. And she's like, you, you the one that likes to eat ass. And he's like, oh, bullshit. You the one with all the dildos and shit. And like it, it, but trust me, Kevin's a lot better than it, than I am. But it was funny. I've seen a lot of people, um, expire and piss themselves right in front of you. And it's not, it's never a good sign. I remember we were working a, uh, we had a call one time to one of our firefighters, um, his neighbor's house. And he had a really good relationship with this man. And the man was having chest pains. He just wasn't feeling well. And in front of his family, you know, he just, we loaded him up. They were at dinner. I'll never forget. They had a dinner party and we put him in the back of the ambulance. And as soon as we get in the ambulance, he just, he just pissed himself and he just completely let go. And the paramedic that was that was talking to him at the time, the guy just stopped and I, I just I tapped the paramedic's arm and pointed down to his jeans and I mean it was just, he was piss soaked and that pretty much was the indication that that he he checked out and um, I've seen that happen several times and that's never in my experience I've never seen someone piss themselves like that and live. You know, normally it's like the body is just completely releasing everything. I don't I don't think I've ever dealt with um, someone defecating like that and. But I've definitely seen the pee several times. I'll tell you one of the hardest things for me in law enforcement when I was a police officer was uh, when you had to go hands-on with a female suspect. Because me, I was always a good-sized dude. I was, um, and so I knew the how strong I could be. But and so you don't want to when you go hands-on. It's it's different, man. It's like I'm not trying to crush this this person's skull. You know, like you gotta you gotta use reasonable force necessary to effect arrest. But man, sometimes he's, when you have to go hands-on with a female suspect, it is hard. I'll tell you, one time I was getting choked the fuck out by a woman on the side of the road. And people were just like watching. And I'm like, this woman going to fucking kill me. <laughs> so this is what happened. Well, see, what had happened was, was this. There was a lady that worked for the local Harley-Davidson uh, dealership here. And she'd gotten fired. And well, that day she decided, fuck y'all, I'm going to go protest. And when I pulled up, she was still on their property. She had made this makeshift sign and was holding it up. I don't remember what the sign said. And she was screaming at the top of her lungs, blah, 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 blah. So I went to her very, very friendly like, and I was like, look, you have every right to protest, man, but you got to get off of their property. They just want you off of their property. And I said, 
how about this? Stand on the city sidewalk. I don't care. I said, you stand there, do what you got to do all day, keep the obscenities down, and we got no problems. Man, this woman went off on me. She starts yelling at me, blah, 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 getting in my face. And I'm like, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I was like, I'm not here to make your day worse. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, but I'm about to, because she, she was pushing the line. She, she ended up spitting on me. And, uh, so I grabbed her to, to arrest her and dude, that's probably one of the hardest fights I've ever had in my life. This woman went straight MMA on me. And before I knew it, so I, you know how, um, police officers, they have their, um, their radio, my radio, the cord from my radio came around my back and it clipped on my lapel. Somehow this woman ended up on my back within the blink of an eye. And this is why you can't let your guard down when you're a cop. You just cannot. And that's why we're off-putting and we're very um, short when we speak to people and we're bladed and we're, we're, we're always taking a defensive posture because you just don't know. I didn't did do this woman. Let me tell you something. She was on my back and you know what she did? Somehow we ended up on the ground and that, that cord from my radio ended up around my neck. All right. What I didn't anticipate was this. Her husband was in the car. I knew he was in there. He was sitting down. He was minding his business the entire time. So I didn't perceive him as a threat. What I didn't anticipate was him joining in on the fun. So while I'm on the ground, this lady's choking me. I'm, I'm, I'm like grabbing onto her and I'm trying not to uh, not hurt her, but I'm trying desperately to get out of this situation. Now the husband comes over and he dogpiles on me. So what I should have done in that situation was do whatever the fuck I needed to do to get this woman off of me and not worry about hurting her because now my ass was in real, real danger. So I got this guy on me now and now I am being clearly overpowered because he's a, he's a dude he's a big, good sized dude. And now he's got a woman on my back choking me and shit. He didn't know what was going on. He just sees his, his wife in a fight with a fucking cop. And of course he's going to take his wife's side. He's not gonna be like, Hey, look, uh, you need to listen to this officer. Like the fight was on. Fortunately for me, ding, ding, ding. This has happened too many times in my life. There was a county police officer who who was driving by. And the next thing I know, I thought Brian Erlacher had arrived on scene. Number 54, Chicago's Bears fucking linebacker. This county deputy, who I still don't know to this day who he was. I never got his name. He hit that guy so hard. He came flying through the air and got that dude off of me. And when he did, it actually knocked the lady off my back, too. And I was able to like gain my foot and, and then grab her and put her in an effect and arrest. Uh, we ended up locking them both up. But uh, I'm just saying, like, shit, you can be in a shit sandwich real quick out there. And that's why you see these cops, and they're like, "Well, they didn't have to be like that with that with that female, or you know, with that female suspect." And it's like, dude, you just don't know. We try to be gentle, and that's I don't know. It's like when you when you are gentle, it's like you get your ass handed to you, and if you're too much more than gentle you get your ass handed to you for that too so it's like poor fucking cops i don't i couldn't do it these days i know that um one thing that they'll teach you in uh the police academy yeah mark off my notes here how many how many off how many times do you think those of you that aren't in law enforcement let me rephrase those of you that are not in law enforcement how many times do you think an officer goes to a call or goes to a man with a gun call, right? So if you're not in law enforcement, law enforcement officers know this. How many calls do police officers go to that are a man with a gun call? The answer is 
every call they go on is a man with a gun call because police officers have their gun on them. And we're training the academy. 90% of law enforcement that have their weapon taken from them usually get killed with it. Now, I've told you the story about a guy named Benji that I was in a fight with. And this is on previous episodes, so I'm not going to be a dead horse here. But he was... He had the better of me, and he was pulling my weapon out, and he fully intended to kill me with it. And if you don't know that whole story, you got to go back through the episodes and listen because that whole story is in there somewhere. But I came out on the winning side of that. But unfortunately, I've been hands-on with more armed people than I care to actually talk about because it's a scary situation if you've never fought somebody that actually was armed. And... um. I remember one time I had a I had a taxi cab pulled over because we had we had taxi cabs that were really dirty back in the day and they were running guns and dope and we figured that out and uh, so we started pulling them over and doing uh, vehicle inspections on them because we were legally allowed to do that and one day I pulled this uh, I pulled this taxi over it was an, it was a Ford Aerostar van and while I was talking to the driver I noticed the guy in the back seat was moving around a lot and, like he was extremely nervous so I was like oh shit hang on so I walked over to the sliding door. And I just pulled it open real quick. And when I did, he was reaching in his pants. So I grabbed him. There was no time for talk. There was no time for, hey, like they do today with this bullshit. Like, hey, please don't move around. Like, and there, there was no time. I knew something was going on. So I grabbed this guy, pull him out, and put him against the car. And I reach around his his uh, waistband, where, where exactly where his hands were. And I and when I did, my hand grabbed the um, grabbed a pistol. And when he knew that I knew he had a gun, the fight was on. And it was an elbow back towards my head, turned around, tried to run. I grabbed him, tackled him. The fight was on, on the ground. The gun's laying there. Um, and I ended up getting him handcuffed. But it is a scary, scary thing because you're like, shit, if he gets on, gets his hands on that gun, I'm dead, man. You know, the time when I got officer of the month, it was similar scenario i chased a stolen car this guy was a wanted felon he he had a bunch of drugs on him and all this but he he fell down when i was chasing him and his gun came out and he was actually grabbing for it but instead of letting it get even further out of hand like as far as me you know pulling my weapon and and doing something horrible when honestly i would have been justified he, um, I tackled him. I just holstered up and we went toe to toe old school, baby. And, uh, we got him locked up. And then not long after that, you know, that's funny. Cause I talk about getting officer of the month. And then literally like a couple weeks later, a couple shifts later, whatever it was, I, I get in a, another fight with a guy that was, that ran after a traffic stop. He had a gun in his hand and I was fully intended on him turning around or fully expecting him to turn around and shoot at me. But he never did. He actually ended up tossing it up underneath the car and he turned around on me and then we went toe to toe and he went to jail. I remember his name. No hard feelings afterwards. You know, we were he and I were laughing and talking and I'm like, man, I'm sure glad you got rid of that damn gun. And he's like, yeah, no. (laughs) So um, it's a scary, scary thing. I got. I remember a time. When so me and me and another buddy of mine, he's still in the job. I, you know, I, you, you guys know I don't like the name drop, but he's a supervisor over there now. And uh, I remember we saw this green Dodge Durango on Reynolds Avenue, and um, we that morning we received a briefing about a green Dodge Durango um, being highly involved in drug activity. So I see a green do- got ugh, Dodge Durango. I flip around on it. And I, I hit my blue lights, pull a traffic stop, and we're on Sproul Avenue. And I'll never forget this this monster got out of this vehicle. This dude was like eight NFL linebackers in one body. 
And I was like, oh, shit. And then me and my other buddy who lifts weights, we're like, we thought we, we thought we had some muscles. Shit. <laughs> so we start talking to this guy. We let him know who we are. Um, and we go to detain him. And, dude, the dude just pushes me like like I was a little puppy. And But when he pushed me, he pushed me into oncoming traffic. Sproul Avenue has uh, two lanes on both sides, right? So there was a car coming, and I had two choices. I was like, I can just go with the momentum that I have. I've fallen backwards and get hit by this car or I can speed it the fuck up with my feet. You ever been falling backwards and you just speed your feet up real quick and, and like run backwards. So that's what I did. And, uh, I fell down. I think it's, I think it's two lanes on each side. I can't remember, but anyways, I fell down. And when I did my other buddy, so the big guy, he, he took off running and this stupid motherfucker, he, he tried to hide underneath a car around the corner. And when we cut the corner, this lady on the balcony was like, that big motherfucker's down there. Look at him. Look at him. And, and she was she was dropping the dime on him. And he's like a tank trying to squeeze up underneath the car. And it was just his feet. And long story short, he he went to jail. Um, but yeah, it, it bees like that sometimes in the streets, man. Um, I've, that was actually the second time I was pushed into oncoming traffic. And another time I was by myself and it was over... Um, was over cocaine. The guy had cocaine on him. And he pushed me in a fucking traffic too. Man, I don't know. This is scary shit in this law enforcement world, man. It's uh I'm glad like I'm an older dude now. And I look back on 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 just how dangerous that job really was back in the day and even more so now. And I'm man, there's no way. There is no way. You hear people sell police thank you all the time, but now I know what it's like and and I wouldn't go do it. Because now I know I have the comforts of life, man. I have kids. I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy. I have, you know what I mean? And back then I didn't have shit. I, I didn't get paid anything. I lived in a free apartment. I was actually called a courtesy officer where they put you in the roughest ass apartment complex that they can put you in. And they're like, you can live here for free if you just lock up everybody that lives here when they do something wrong. And you want to talk about being fucking hated? I walked out of my apartment one time and there were two boys on, on, on the hood of, on, excuse me, on the trunk of my police car smoking weed i walked out and i was like you got to be fucking kidding me and they just looked at me like i'd lost my mind i was like well dude y'all gotta go to jail like i don't want to take you to jail over a little bit of weed but come on dude what do you expect me to do we can go on and on about hands-on with people man and uh some of the the crazy stuff i'd like to hear some of your crazy stories on instagram shoot me some of your crazy stories because I can I can use that in an episode and come back and just share some of your stuff. I don't sit here and talk about my shit all day, but I mean I can do it. But I do remember one crazy call, and I'm I'm gonna get out of here. We had a call one time for a um, a guy pinned underneath a tractor, right? And when we got there, this tractor was on top of this man in a ditch that was full of water. I don't know how it happened, but he was cutting with his tractor. He was doing something with his tractor, and the tractor slid into the ditch, and he fell out the seat. Was pinned underneath this thing, and when we got there. He had a pistol in his hand, a little small silver pistol. And I was like, hey, hey. And I mean, we were, I was a fire department. I was like, whoa, whoa sir, whoa, what are you doing? He goes, I'm not going to fucking drown. So what the guy was going to do, he was going to shoot himself if we couldn't get that damn tractor off of him. So I got down in the water with him and the other firefighters, they used uh, high pressure airbags to lift, lift the thing up and get it. But I did, I did pretty much tell him like, hey man, you know, let's, let's give me that fucking gun. Get rid of that damn thing. But I mean, you see. Some some crazy shit out there. And I tell you what, this will be a great episode. Send me some of your crazy stories. I'll read them off. Whatever you want to say. Just 
it's got to be true. Now, don't make up no shit that you saw on goddamn Rescue Me or something like that or on Cops. If it really happened to you and it can be verified, send it, shoot it over to me, man. I'd love to read some of your some of your stuff. Um, just to so we can deliver to the world. You know, here's the crazy thing. On TV, a lot of times, you're not going to see a lot of the crazy shit that really goes on. So the public thinks they understand this shit. They don't fucking know. They have no clue. Because they can't put half of the shit that they film on there. There's no fucking way. That's some crazy shit. So... Man, I hope you guys had fun with this episode. I had a good time. Um, I'm going to get out of here. I got soccer tonight with the kids. I always tell my daughters, you make five steals. I always tell them, I don't care about in, in basketball and soccer. I don't care if you score or not. I want you to steal a ball. I'm all, I'm all about defense. I'm like, if you steal the ball five times and make a boy cry, I'll give you $5. And let me tell you something. Them girls are straight fucking savages. You put your boy in front of them if you want. I mean, they're coming down with elbows. Those little girls, I'm th- I don't know what it is about them, but they, they hit a light. They, they flip a little switch inside of them, and it's on. I love it. I'm over on the sidelines with these fucking, these, I got to be careful what I say. <laughs> these fucking parents around here with their little snotty ass kids. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. Raise your kids right, man. Don't be too soft on them. Hey, Send, seriously, you guys send me send me your crazy stories from uh, stories on the job. I'll read the shit out of them. I think that'll be we can just do an episode on that. All right. I might have some very exciting news coming up. I'm waiting to hear back. I'm like so excited about this, but I can't fucking I can't tell anybody, and that's the hard part. All right. We we'll talk to y'all soon. Later. <laughs>